It's time for the moment you've been waiting for. You're listening to Getting Bullied, a Flyers hockey podcast. Now crank it up and rip the knob. Boy, that escalated quickly. Here comes the money. Here we go. Money talk. Podcast partner of PhillyAndFlyers.com. This is Getting Bullied. I am Mark Gino, along with the president of Flyers Twitter, Dan Silver, from down in the nation's capital. Dan, what's going on? Not much, man. What's going on? It's, we've actually got like actual games. Well, they're, they're preseason games, but get games to talk about. It's exciting, and I got the uh, we got the they're playing the Islanders tonight, so I got it up, uh, got the stream up on my on my screen. Yes, games nonetheless. Uh, before we get too into this, I guess I should mention uh, we are this season going to be kicking off our partnership with the Hockey Podcast Network, which is basically podcasts from all 31 NHL teams. We will be representing the Philadelphia Flyers, which is exciting. You could follow the Hockey Podcast Network on Twitter at HockeyPodNet. And while we're at it, follow us at underscore getting bullied, at Mark Flagman two ends, and at D Silver eighty eight. The eighty eight is for Eric Lindros. So Dan, as you mentioned, we have games. Well, game, I guess games, because the rookie game happened last week. Well, uh, we both have game, and now the Flyers have games. Yes, that is true. Actually, just me saying that proves that neither of us have any game. Oh well, it proves that I don't. Maybe you do. Um, not. So how's your game these days? My game is stagnant. Let's put it that okay. way. Let's All put right. it lightly and just say stagnant. <laughs> so, um, ladies, you hear right you there? Go, you yeah. might have an, have an opening, uh, you know, with with uh, our man here. Just get ready for a lot of baggage, letting everyone know <laughs> that right off the bat. But here's um, a secret. Secret, everyone's got a lot of baggage. <laughs> Tell me about it. Um, so, yeah, last night, Flyers kick, well, Monday night, depending on when you listen to this, uh, Monday night, Flyers kick off preseason play against the Islanders. Uh, last Wednesday, they played the Islanders in the rookie game. Um, but before we get into the games, I guess we should just break out the big news. Go, you know, Come out here with, you know two uh two loaded guns right here because what we all were waiting for since like july when free agency kicked off um was travis connectney ivan Provorov. when will they sign their contracts they were obviously restricted free agents when will they will they at all um Provorov signed was it thursday night so he was thursday there for, night yeah he yeah. was there for training camp when, when that started on friday and connectney signs monday afternoon-ish, late morning, afternoon. I don't really remember the time. But, um, yeah, so both in both here for the next six years, which is exciting. They're two cornerstone pieces for the franchise, obviously. Provorov has all the makings of a perennial Norris Trophy candidate for probably all six years. I don't see why not. If you ask me, Travis Konechny could very well score 30 goals in more of those six seasons than he doesn't. I think he has the ability if he gets together. I think he's with a coach and a system now that suits his game. Um, So I expect big things out of both of them this year. Provoff kind of had a down year. Konechny was kind of up and down last year. Um, So now that the contracts are behind them, I think, you know, I think they're both ready to go and just become... I mean, Provo already is, but Konechny, I think, is really ready to become just a true contributor to this team as they push for the playoffs this year. Yeah, I mean, the interesting thing is that all summer long, the majority of Flyer fans were upset about the amount of money that Chuck Fletcher gave to Kevin Hayes, right? $7 million. Mm-hmm. Additionally, Flyers fans were complaining about how we gave up too much for Niskanen, they didn't think that we sh- we should have had to retain the salary on Niskanen, boat. and then a lot of Flyers fans were also thought that we gave up too much for Justin Braun. So a lot of folks were were looking at Chuck Fletcher as a guy who they didn't think could negotiate very well. And I mean, I was I think the Kevin Hayes deal was fine. Um, I do think maybe he gave up a little much, or at least didn't really need to retain the Gouda salary for Niskanen, but it was fine with me. Anyway, right. I was not convinced about his negotiation skills, but he got two really good deals. You look at it, he signed up. A lot of people were worried that Ivan Provorov was was going to get, you know, 
eight million dollars on a long term deal or seven million plus. Right. And they they signed up their franchise defenseman for six seasons for six point seven five million. That's a very reasonable contract. Great. Contract. And Travis Travis Konechny, you know, they signed him. A lot of people thought they were going to go short on him with a bridge deal. And if you're going to go short with a bridge deal, it, it means the guy's going to get less money. And they actually went six years for, with Konechny, and they signed him for $5.5 million. Compared to Brock Besser for the Vancouver Canucks, who signed today a bridge deal for almost $6 million. And mm-hmm. I'm not saying that Konechny's not necessarily on Besser's level at this point. But, you know, you could argue that that's just because from a – statistics standpoint that Besser's on the top power play in Vancouver and Konechny maybe brings more to the ice than Besser does so when you're looking at that it looks like Chuck Fletcher kind of did two really good contracts with two of the Flyers really good young players I mean Provorov look if Provorov had had a season this past year like he did two years ago he would have been live for a bigger payday but Mm -hmm. the reality is he didn't have a great season and so a lot of Flyers fans are looking at it and a lot of people around the league saying hey how good is Ivan Provorov? And I don't think we know the answer to it. We know that he's a warrior that's going to probably play 82 games a year. Uh, we know you know, he's going to be very solid in the defensive zone. I think what we don't know is what level of offense he's going to bring and also what can he bring on the power play potentially. So there's some questions with him, but you're getting, again, a warrior who's going to play 25 minutes a game. And I think that, that with the amount of upside that he has, I think that that was a good deal. So I'm, I'm pretty happy with both the deals and everyone's in camp. And I think uh, there's a lot of good vibes heading into the season. Yeah, I mean, and I know you saw the uh, the trailer for this behind, what is it, behind the glass, the NHL network thing that they're going. I mean, it's basically oh, it hard great. knocks for hockey now that they're doing. It looks great. Yeah, it does. It looks awesome. And what, I, what I'm really – when I was watching the, the trailer for that, it seems like everybody's kind of on board where they see that, you know, this is this is not a year where they're they don't have they don't have time to play around it. You know, the, it's a new coach and he's it seems like he's jumping in with, you know, he's jumping in head first in the deep end with this thing. And he's trying to, you know, win the Stanley Cup this year. He doesn't want kind of like a down year where everyone's getting used to each other. And that's a good sign. When you listen to him talk, when you listen to the players talk, it seems like everybody's all on board. And it's it's good that Provorov was there for the beginning of camp. Connect me, you know. I think I think that was somewhat of a harder deal for them to to, uh, to get worked out. I saw last week that one of the things that was holding up was the Flyers were holding his ice time against him, um, which I thought was odd because it's not like he controls how often he plays in a game, and you know we obviously know what Hackstall was doing while he was here, but. It's great. I mean, like, like I said at the beginning, I think Konechny has the ability to be a 30-goal scorer. The Flyers obviously have Couturier who could do it, Giroux who could do it, Kevin Hayes who has who could do it, Van Riemsdyk who has done it, so why can't he do it again? Not saying they're all going to do that this year, but you have a deep – you have scoring depth here that, you know, you have a bunch of guys that have either already scored 30 goals or have the ability to do so. And what's good, you mentioned – um, Provorov's kind of offensive game where the Flyers are kind of where they where they benefit in that is he doesn't need to be the driving force offensively on the blue line because they have guys like Asis Bear because they have uh, Myers even Niskanen can provide a little so he doesn't have to take his offensive game to the next it's not as it's he's not under a huge amount of pressure to do that it would be great obviously but he could just be that minutes eater that warrior that you talk about that you know they go to him when you know in overtime they go to him late in the game and he could handle the workload and then once this team goes into the playoffs he's going to be that guy, I mean, he's young enough to where he, you're not going to need Niskanen and Braun to get all those minutes. You have a young body in Provorov who's ready, willing, and able to play all of the minutes they can give you. And we know Myers has that ability too, so it, things are really taking shape here. I'm excited. I know you're excited. The fans are excited. It seems like we've gotten past the arguing point of the offseason where everyone's bitching back and forth about each other about money and negotiations and everything like that and now we're a couple weeks out october 4th it starts and everyone's just excited and it's a good feeling and i think i I, this is the point in every offseason where we get to this you know this anticipation and then the last few years we've seen 
after like the first two weeks of the season were already well already heading for the bridge ready to jump off and I think things are going to be different this year I like the vibe coming out of the team this year everything I hear I, I think the Flyers are finally ready to take that next step that we've been talking about for the last two or three years well you know it's important to, to analyze it right because we said the same thing last year yeah, right I was very optimistic and it didn't happen so why didn't it happen last year well I think first and foremost you look at goaltending last mm-hmm. year was was goaltending was terrible right off the shoot there were injuries so that was one of the big reasons why this team didn't get off to a good start and then you know i think i think you can look at coaching again uh this team always had gotten under off to slow starts under dave Paxtall. so right. all right what have we done to fix that all right well goaltending hopefully we're going to be fine there with carter hart and brian elliott i think you know one of my fears for the season is that carter hart as a sophomore might take a step back Mm-hmm. But kind of counterbalancing that in my mind is that I think that Brian Elliott is finally that he's now healthy. I think that he's going to have a much better season. So the lighter work will help him. Yeah, I'm not necessarily, and I, you know what, I still think he could he could end up playing more games at heart. So I'm not. I think he's a very good goalie, and I think that being healthy is going to make a big difference for him. Hopefully, he can stay healthy. So I'm not really concerned about the goaltending. And then you want to look at the coaching, and it's pretty clear that there's kind of a different vibe when you've got a head coach like Elaine Vigneault, who's been to two Stanley Cup finals with two different franchises. And he's a guy that the players have to respect. You know, Dave Haxtell, well, you know, I don't know if they respected him or not. Yeah. Uh, Scott Gordon, you know, I don't know if they respected him or not. But Elaine Vigneault has come in. Practices have been up-tempo. It's a different style of practice. They've just been concentrating on the systems more. Uh, previously, what they would do in in preseason practices was that they would do a drill and then take 10 minutes to describe the next drill mm-hmm. and then do the drill and then take 10 minutes. Yeah. But what they're doing this year is... They're doing it all beforehand. Yeah, they're going over everything in the morning and then they are uh, going doing a drill and then maybe 10 seconds to the next drill. So it's a lot quicker... Um, and you know, well, I, I so I think from a goaltending and coaching perspective, there's optimism that this team's going to get off to a fast start. I think there are some reasons for pessimism, which we can get into, you know, when, whenever we want. I think that the Nolan Patrick injury situation is a little bit dicey, and I also think that their schedule early in the season yeah. could be a little bit problematic. I feel like but they're always getting all, screwed all all, on the schedule to start the season. I know. They, it's, th- this year, they actually have what looks like the worst schedule of any team in the NHL. Yeah, it's. I'm looking However, at it right now. They, I mean, they obviously start the season on the 4th in Prague, which it looks like that's a home... You're, you're a season ticket holder. Is that, I'm sure they charge you the same, but you're losing a home game right there. I always, I, I always thought that was weird from a, just a sports perspective when... They have these regular season games in different countries, and it's screwing over the season ticket holders. It's not as big a deal in the NHL, but in like the NFL, I think that's weird. So they start off in Prague, then they come home the next week in Jersey. So you have, I mean, basically almost a full week off, and then they go to their usual, you know, West Coast road trip when they're in Vancouver, Calgary, and Edmonton, and then they come home, Dallas, uh. Uh, the Golden Knights, and then back on the road for Chicago. So they have, I mean, first of all, it, the, the teams that are playing, it's a tough schedule just from that aspect. But then when you when you double down and you go with the travel that they have on top of that, the first month of the season is a real bitch for this team. Yeah, it's bad. They're in Prague, like you said, and then they're home for one game, and then they're on the on a West Coast swing. It's not an easy schedule, so that's a little bit problematic. And by the way, Scott Lawton just got drilled behind the net, got up really slowly, went to the bench really slowly, so hmm. that's another thing that we're going to have to pay attention to because it looks like Lawton awesome. may be injured now. Chris Stewart, come on down. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> he's not a center. <laughs> no, he's not. He dropped the gloves last night in that uh, preseason game. He, he did. As soon as he, as soon as they hit him, as soon as he got just drilled, and I was like, "Here we go. He's gonna, he's gonna go after that guy." And he did. And I was just thinking of like people my dad's age that, well, my dad's like fifty six that just love that the guy fighting in the preseason and saying, "This is what we need. This is why they don't win the Stanley Cup. They don't have any fighters." Yeah, yeah. I mean, I don't really buy into the whole they need fighters thing, no. but I, I Toughness will say. I will say that I agree with people who think that we need a little bit more toughness in the lineup. So 
I'm not going to be crying like it seems like a lot of people are if Stewart makes the team as a fourth line winger just yeah, because you know we do need that. Look, if if Nicholas Abekubel is going to get the fourth line role and he's going to hit people and drop the gloves if he needs to, that's fine. I just think we do need a little bit more toughness in the lineup than yeah. we currently have. You don't need the guy that's going to go. You know, you don't need them taking stupid penalties, but you need somebody that just keeps the other team in check. You know, someone goes out there and drills one of your best players. You know, you don't have Wayne Simmons. At, like, Wayne Simmons gave you the best of both worlds. He was, a, he was a skilled player, but he could also rough some people up. They really don't have that anymore. So just having a guy that's on your fourth line that just keeps other people in check, just it opens up the ice for other people because people aren't just going to be taking those cheap shots at them all the time. Yeah, I mean, the best case scenario is like you said, when you've got a guy like Wayne Simmons who can score right. and also can dish out hits and who no one wants to fight, right? And so as much as we all kind of hate Tom Wilson on the Capitals, that's what he brings. And there's not many guys in the league who can do that. Tom Wilson scores 20, 25 goals, and he also puts the fear of God into the opposition. And so I think that's that's an important thing. Um, I love the guy Tom Wilson. Yeah, the Flyers, the closest thing the Flyers have to that in the top nine this year is is probably Travis Connect. Oh, it absolutely is. Yeah, and he's, you know, no one's really scared of him. New. So, maybe, you know what, Kevin Hayes is a pretty tough guy. So, you know, maybe he can he can do a little bit of that. But, uh, but yeah, there's no Wayne Simmons on this team, though. No. Uh, they play him in the first week of the season, though. That'll be interesting. I know we're going to be Yeah, getting... that's the first. Uh, oh, it's at home, home, too. Game. So, you know he's getting a video on the new video board. Oh, yeah. I can't wait to see that thing. Yeah. Oh, yeah, I know. It looks awesome. Um, so, yeah, I mean, that's one of the, like we just said, one of the negatives and I don't want to hone too much on them, but the two glaring negatives right now going into the season, obviously one, it's a schedule. Like I, like we just said, we deal with that pretty much every year. The schedule for the Flyers always sucks to start the season. And the other one right now is another phantom injury, not phantom player, phantom injury in Nolan Patrick, who, you know, it kind of came out like, was it like, it was like a day or two before camp started that... Something, you know, he had an upper body injury. They're obviously not saying what it is because they never do. And then they're put, you see some of the beat writers are putting videos of him, uh, you know, just skating by himself with a coach, doing some drills on the ice by himself. Um, and Elaine Vigneault is kind of talking about, you know, it. it, it <clears throat> what I didn't understand is he kind of, in the one press conference he did last week, he kind of, like, he said that he just you know, they're waiting for this thing to go away. And, you know, he was honing in on the fact of how important it is that he's still going to meetings and everything like that, which is good when you're talking about learning a new system. And I I put this out on Twitter, and here's my theory with the whole thing. I, and I have nothing to base this on other than just trying to connect the dots as best I can, I think that he might have another concussion and the team is trying to not let it get out because obviously he had the serious one last year. But the reason why the reason why I think that he may have a concussion is because when you're hearing Elaine Vigneault say that, you know, they're just not that he gets healthy, not that he heals up, but they're waiting for this to go away. It means to me that he might have some lingering effects from getting hit on the head, the headaches and things like that. When you hear him talk about when he when he says things like he's still going to meetings, to me that means you know obviously if you have a head injury it's hard for you to focus and you know watch video and things like that. And the fact that when I'm watch, when I'm watching that video of him skating by himself, he seemed to be moving well. You know his hands were still quick. He was shifting around and you know moving his upper body in what seemed like you know to be on a level to where he should be on the ice with the rest of the team. And usually when a guy has a concussion, they kind of isolate them, let them skate on their own, and get up to speed that way. So that's my thing. I mean, the Flyers always sweep. They try to sweep everything under the rug when it comes to injuries. They never tell you what it is. They just say upper or lower body. And that's that's just my theory on the thing. I think he, he obviously has a history of concussions. I think he just has another one, and they're just trying to wait for it to, like Vino said, go away. So here's why I don't think that it's a concussion, because when this story broke, which was back September 17th, mm-hmm. and it was it's very strange, right? Because, I mean, he hasn't been playing yeah, hockey came out in of any nowhere. leagues. It, yeah, it came out of nowhere. So 
when when the story broke, Chuck Fletcher said that the Flyers have known about the injury for a while and that surgery was not an option at this point. Mm. So my whole point is, if it's a concussion, obviously there's they no, wouldn't. Yeah, there's no there's, no, there's no surgery, there's no procedure, right? So yeah. when when and I don't think Chuck Fletcher is going to like make up something like that about surgery not being an option just to like throw people off. Mm-hmm. I I it it so that said to me that it's not a concussion because it's not going to surgery is not going to be even talked about if it's a concussion. Yeah. So I, my guess is that it's some kind of shoulder injury and maybe it's the shoulder that is not the one that impacts him when he's shooting cuz like you said they've he, he's been doing drills by himself on the ice and his shot looks really good. Yeah. So but my theory is maybe there's some kind of like shoulder issue and they're, you know, thinking that it'll just go away on its own and you know yeah, hopefully well, he doesn't need some kind of procedure maybe he's got like a labrum injury or something like that i i don't know but that is that's why i don't think it's concussion and i i'm really hoping that he's going to be back for the start of the season because if he's not you know the flyers third line becomes a little bit of an issue and yeah. now especially with the fact that scott lawton not to um you know conjecture here but lawton came out of this uh, preseason game, he took a pretty hard hit behind the net, and he's—I don't think he's back yet. So, mm-hmm. you know that—that's going to be something to watch if if both Patrick and Lawton are having issues. Well, then here's the other thing that scares me: if it's not a concussion, and if it is, you know, just a shoulder, elbow, some tendon thing, or anything like that, when you're talking about, you know, when you're saying things like surgery is not, you know, necessary right now, and when you're saying things like, you know, we're just hoping this thing goes away, to me that means that this is probably something he's going to deal with for a lot of the season. It's probably, I'm seeing it as one of those nagging things where, you know, it's not something that's going to keep you out long term, and it's not something that you really need to get fixed right away. It could be put off a couple months, but it's something that he's going to have to deal with throughout the season. It's going to be nagging him throughout the season, and if you're if that's the case, then that's a problem for the Flyers because you just mentioned, you know, the third line is already, you know, you're already kind of in flux because all offseason we're talking about who's stepping in at that, you know, third line wing. It was great that Patrick, you know, that they brought in Hayes. You're taking pressure off Patrick, putting him on the thir- as the third line center in a year where, you know, his third year in the league now where he really needs to take that next step as a professional. And, you know, already I'm not we've we talked about it a little bit last year where with Nolan Patrick, he hasn't really shown a lot of, if you ask a lot of people, he hasn't shown what they've expected to see out of the second overall pick to this point. And, you know, he's a young guy. He's playing. He was last year, the whole team, I mean, the whole team was up, was in turmoil last year. You're changing head coaches, you're changing general managers. So it's hard for a young player to find normalcy in that setting and it's in his second year, the first, his, you know, your first year, you're just trying to adapt to the game. So that's why this third year in a new system and, you know, another year under his belt was so important. So it's going to really, I mean, it's going to be hard for him. It's going to be hard for the Flyers if he's going to have a nagging shoulder, elbow, whatever injury all, all season because they really need him. I mean, they, they have to rely on him somewhat this year. He's got to provide some sort of offensive you know, uptick for this team to take pressure off those top six guys. Yeah. I mean, like you said, there's still a lot of questions about Nolan Patrick. There's, you know, already a lot of the guys in the draft that he was taken in who look like they're going to be better NHLers than him. Yeah. And, you know, t- you know, it's, uh, wasn't a question mark when you took him at number two, the only question mark really were the injuries. Right. He, he's gotten off to slow starts pretty much every single year that he's been in the league, both, both years. And last year he didn't really come on like a lot of people were hoping. So that's why they had to go out and get Kevin Hayes because you just weren't sure what Patrick was going to bring. And it was important for him to get off to a good start. Now he's, he's injured. So, you know, it's, it's, that's, like I said, that's right now, that's the biggest question mark on the ice about this team is Nolan Patrick, this injury, even without the injury, he was a big question mark, what he was going to bring to the table. So that's a definitely something to watch. I mean, and the other thing is we're what just over two weeks or so away from, yeah, about two weeks, two and a half weeks away from the start of the season. And at what point do you start to look at guys that could replace him that are, 
you know, playing in the preseason. There's a lot of young guys that people are obviously excited about. Um, I mean, it's hard to, I mean, right now it's a small sample size. So we had the rookie game, which is rookies playing rookies. It's, you know, they're pretty much all on the same level. So it's hard to really get a gauge for where somebody is and if they're ready to, you know, make the opening night roster as, you know, a young player. And then just we just have Monday night's game where you're, you know, finally playing against people that are that are NHL pros. So, I, don't, I mean, I know you love Farabee. Everybody loves Frost. I don't think Ratcliffe is really an option. But, I mean, who steps up if Nolan Patrick can't go to start the season? Who steps up and, and plays for this team? Well, my answer for who the third-line center was going to be was Scott Lawton. And now if, he, yeah. if, 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 if Nolan Patrick uh, wasn't able to go, I would have had thought that probably Scott Lawton would be your third-line center. Morgan Frost is – but he's injured too. He's got a groin pull. And uh, he's out now. He's not playing at the moment. So he's out and he'll probably be back soon. It doesn't sound like it's anything serious. It sounds like it's just kind of like one of those minor, uh, minor strains that you're dealing with at at the beginning of camp. But if Lawton's injured, I mean, you're probably looking at Mikhail Vorobiev or German Rupsov or probably your options for, for third line center. So it's, yeah, I mean, it's obviously it's, it's not, it's not ideal, though. That's that's probably what you're looking at. And mm-hmm. the Flyers' top two lines are going to be killer this year. If, yes, they if are. you're look, I, I'd already put out there that that you know you might want to put Fair if Fairby makes the team, maybe he plays on the first line at even strength, and you put Konechny with Patrick and Lindblom on the third line or JVR and Patrick. It looks like right now, like the second line is going to be JVR, Hayes, and Voracek, which the beef you line. Know, yeah, it's, that line looked phenomenal in the first preseason game for the Flyers. It's that that line's going to terrorize opponents. And then you're going to have Giroux and Couturier. And, you know, I'm guessing it'll probably be Konechny on that first line. So you're going to have two two very good lines that can both dominate games at various times. Yeah. So, um, but then, you know, these injuries pile up, and now you're, you've got some more question marks with those third and fourth lines. Yeah, I mean, uh, it, the Flyers have really the best of both worlds with their – first two lines because with the first line if you're talking Giroux Couturier and Konechny those are like those are the skill guys they're the you know they're the playmakers or the flashy guys and you know that's hard for other teams to play against and then you drop down to the second line and you just have three giants on the ice I mean there that's a lot of humanity on that third li- on that second line with uh, Voracek JVR and Hayes and you saw last night in the preseason game you saw why the Flyers wanted Hayes, and you saw why he was not only the Flyers, but he was such a hot commodity around the league if he became a free agent because he's not going to wow you. He's not with you know highlight plays. He's not going to make Sports Center's top ten or anything or anything like that. But he's just a big body. He knows how to use his body to his advantage, and he's so strong on the puck, and that's. And that's how he makes plays for himself and his teammates. And you saw on the, on the only goal the Flyers scored last night, he started the whole thing, shielding the puck, getting it to the open man, and it led to the, to a goal. And that's why the Flyers got him. And it's a good thing. The Flyers, I mean, imagine hindsight's always twenty twenty, right? Imagine if the Flyers didn't get him. Imagine if they just you know kept the money in their pocket and you know just wanted to for whatever reason wanted the trust that they had. And Nolan Patrick is your second line center, and now he's out. So. Kevin Hayes, I mean, again, small sample size, but from what I saw from that line, which was last night's top line, there's a lot of promise right there because JVR now, I mean, he probably didn't do as much as people would have liked him to last year coming off of his big contract, and I think playing with Hayes is going to even help him now. Yeah, so good news, Scott Lawton came back to the game, so right, it looks, looks like presumably Price he's okay. Averted. He took, took a big slap shot, so he should be all right. And yeah, I mean, Kevin Hayes, I think there's a lot of people that are complaining about his contract that just haven't watched him play hockey enough and right. don't understand. I see all these people complaining about how many points Kevin Hayes has put up the last few years in a negative light. Well, he's had horrible line mates with the Rangers, 
and now he's getting more check in JVR most likely. He's yeah. a freaking beast. I tweeted this last night. He looks like a werewolf on the ice. I mean, he's a huge guy. He's a very hard to get off the puck. He's got good speed. He is just a physical beast. He reminds me a lot of Keith Primo, to be quite honest. Yeah, the way that one. he plays hockey is very similar to Keith Primo. Maybe not quite as good of a natural scorer, but he's going to be a very, very good second-line center for this team for the next number of years and that seven million dollars is going to be absolutely fine yeah it is and i mean i guess now we're kind of we've we're jumping into last night's game um which it was it was every time i like watch a preseason game um for really any sport it's kind of always weird that like it seems like the wait is so long until you get there and you're like, wow, I can't believe I'm already watching, you know, hockey again. So it was good to sit down and it was the regular broadcast. You know, last week it was, I guess, the Phantoms guys doing the rookie game. So it was, you know, Jim Jackson, Keith Jones. It just felt like fall again. I'm, I'm over the summer. I don't know about you. I don't know how you feel about the season as a whole, but I can only I can only drink on the beach so many times before it gets old. So I'm ready for cold weather. And, you know, last night, was kind of, it kind of it puts you in a good mood watching hockey but other than obviously we talked about that line the beef line that impressed so well um what also stood out to me and it's a shame for this guy because he's part of just a crowded situation right now in the blue line but uh Zamula looked great he was i feel like his name was being mentioned every time he was on the ice breaking up plays and you know sticking his nose into the offensive game and and getting some good shots off he's a guy that i know he he was he came on last year in the preseason and everyone you know opened a lot of eyes and went to play for the calgary hitmen probably one of the best names team names in hockey he was impressive um shane gossespare looked healthy he looked quick he looked like his normal shifty self on the ice which was good to see because we know he was bothered with injuries all last year. And Phil Myers was Phil Myers. I mean, he dominated the rookie game last week. Probably shouldn't even been in there because his skill level is just so much better than most of the guys on the ice. And even last night when he's playing with professionals again, you know, he was just doing what we're already accustomed to him doing. And so from a defensive aspect, not only, I mean, Zamul is not going to be with the Flyers this year, but you're talking about two guys in, Gossespierre, even Braun played well. When you're talking about guys that are going to be manning the blue line for the Flyers, so far, I, you know, again, only one game, but things looked good last night, and I'm encouraged with with how those guys are going to be playing for them. The, the Flyers' defense is clearly going to be a huge strength for this team. Braun looked great, and I, you know, I, Niskanen and Braun—they're both very good defensemen. Like people are complaining about them, especially yeah. Braun and his advanced metrics. Braun's a very good defenseman, and he doesn't have to—he pl- doesn't have to pitch in any offense because that's going to be whoever he's paired with's job. And it looks exactly. like it's going to be Shane Goss to spare, so he's going to provide the offense. Uh, you know, Phil Myers is a beast. I mean, it should be look. It should be Provorov and Niskanen on the first pairing, Gostisbehere and Braun on the second pairing, and then pairing 2B, if you want to call it, is Phil Myers and Travis Sanheim. And you could certainly argue that they could end up being the second-best pairing on the team by the end of the season or even at the start of the season. So you should have three really good pairings. You could argue that their third pairing will be the best third pairing in the NHL. I thought that Myers actually was trying to do a little bit too much last night. He forced some turnovers I didn't think he had necessarily a great game, but it doesn't matter. He's he's a physical beast. He's a great skater. He's a big guy. I think that those six are pretty much set in stone. You mentioned Zamula. I've been higher on him in my prospect rankings than pretty much anyone else in the country. And I, I still don't understand why people don't have him ranked highly. You look at the leading WHL under 19-year-old defenseman scorers last year. Number one was Bowen Byron, who's a potential franchise defenseman he went like number four in this year's draft the second leading guy was ty smith he was a first round pick third leading guy was jet Wu. he was a second round pick kaylin addison was fourth he was a second round pick and right behind kaylin addison is zamula so just i think that people are hold still holding against him the fact that he wasn't drafted forget about that the flyers signed him just like Phil Myers, after not being drafted. And Zamula's he's a big kid. He's very skilled. He's just, he, you could just see, he makes plays last night that, as Elaine Vino said after the game, like, this kid has got an NHL future. So I'm excited about him. You know, the big question mark now on the defense group is who's going to be that seventh defenseman. 
You've got Sam Moran and you've got Robert Haig as defensemen seven and eight. Look, they could carry eight defensemen to start the season. Most teams only carry seven. They could carry eight. They could carry both those guys. But I still think that they're going to try and look to trade Robert Haig before the season starts. I think they might be waiting to see if some teams start having injuries to the blue line in the preseason. Right. But I think they try and trade him and have Moran as the seven. He didn't look great last night, but he's not like he's he's not a fantastic hockey player. He's just mm-hmm. kind of okay. So I think that uh, I think Moran would be fine as a seven, and I think they try and trade Hay. But that's really to me that's the only storyline right now because the the Flyers starting six defensemen are really really good. Yeah, I mean, what, what, and we talked about it earlier when, we, when you're talking about a team that's looking for toughness. You know, Moran and Haig, every time he's, you know, every game he plays in, all they're talking about is how many hits he's got. He's around the league leaders and stuff like that. Uh, that's really all he's bringing to the table. But Moran, obviously, he's enormous. He's just a big human. He's a guy that if the Flyers need him in a game, can, you know, he's just the guy that's going to be throwing people out of the way of the goaltender. He's clearing the porch, and that's something that obviously every team needs that guy. And the problem with Sam Moran, or for Sam Moran, is the Flyers are just so deep at defense right now that he's just that odd man out. I mean, you're not going to bench, you're not going to have any of those other guys as a seventh defenseman. And he's come a long way. He's a guy that's dealt with a lot of injuries. And, you know, he was drafted, what, what, 2000, what was it, 2013, 2014 he was drafted? And, you know, he, he's obviously dealt with a lot over his short career to this point. So even making it on the Flyers as the seventh guy is a win for him right now because he's missed so much time and it'll be good. I mean, the Flyers need a guy like him. They need that toughness. They need that big imposing body for going against a team that, you know, is a little bigger. Maybe you sub him in for a game here and there. Um, I like Sam Moran just from that. And again, like you said, he's not, uh, it's not like he's this world beating hockey player. He's not, you know, he's never going to be an all-star probably or anything like that. But, you know, he's just a solid guy that the Flyers, you know, will have, a, you know, he's a he's a valuable asset if you don't need to go to him all the time. That's how I look at Sam Moran. Yep. Yeah, I think I think that's fair. And we'll, we'll see what ends up happening. Yeah. Um, any updates on the game? So I don't even know. I don't, I don't even have the stream up. I don't even know. Uh, it's the end of the up. first period. The uh, Flyers are up one nothing. Oh, good. I think the most important thing is just that Lawton's fine. I think uh, Carter Hart looked really good. Yeah, he's got the he's got the um, what is it? Carnage, the new mask going. Yeah, yeah, That's yeah. Cool. It's a pretty sweet mask he's got there. I'm not a. Uh, I mean, I like Marvel movies. I'm not a big. I don't see a lot of movies anymore these days. I'm looking forward to the Joker, but uh, yeah, me too. But yeah, it seems like a lot of people like the fact that he's got that carnage on his mask. Yeah, I mean, and speaking of the goalies, and we already, t- I mean. This is probably the first time since we've been doing this podcast where we're not in just complete disarray with the goaltending situation. The Flyers actually have a really strong one for once. Um, for the first time in a lot of years, the Flyers look, and it's not even just the two that they have at the pro level. I'm excited to see Felix Sandstrom play with the Phantoms. Um, he looked was, great in the rookie game. He did. He looked really good. And one, I mean, not really a huge question mark but one thing that you're always looking at with guys that are coming from you know the european leagues is how they adjust to the smaller ice surface it's one thing for you know forwards and defensemen but for a goaltender you know the angles are different and stuff like that so that's something that i thought that you know it's something to watch out for um but even um like you said he looked good in the rookie game i'm excited for him because i think ultimately next year you're looking at carter hart from far as I see, you're looking at probably Carter Hart and Felix Sandstrom as your one and two, which is two great low cost options because the Flyers are coming up on. Not, not, they're not going to be strapped with the salary cap, but they have you know they have some guys that are going to be coming due to make some money pretty soon. Yeah, their cap situation is going to get pretty tight actually the next few seasons. I mean, right now they are just under the cap. And the cap didn't go up as much as most people thought. Most people were projecting it to go to 83 million, and it just was 81.5. So that was a million and a half shaved off what most people thought would be in the cap. Mm-hmm. They next summer they've got 
to sign Oscar Lindblom, Nolan Patrick, and Phil Myers. Those are the three main guys they're going to have to sign next summer, and they're probably going to have about $12 million to do it. So they should be able to get it done. The summer after that is going to be also iffy because Travis Sandheim and Carter Hart are both going to be up. So, yeah, this is one of the things that Flyers fans – you know, talk about, oh, is this team built to win a cup now? Well, here's the thing. They kind of have to be because you're spending to the cap and you've got Carter Hart on a entry-level contract making $750,000 for this season and next season. you got to take advantage of that. Yeah. And you got to try and strike while the iron's hot. You've, you've got a good mix of older players and younger players. And you saw what happened with the St. Louis Blues. No one thought that team was going to win the cup before the season started. The Flyers have got to, you know, I'm, I'm – I'm looking at them like they should be a cup contender this year. And a lot of people would say that's crazy, but look at their team. And and I think that you never know exactly. So like I said, most people didn't think the blues were going to be a cup contender. So it's, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll see how things turn out, but yeah, they're going to be, they're, they're not going to be able to sign big free agents the next few off seasons. Their, their main things are just going to be signing those guys that are restricted free agents who are up for bigger contracts. Do you see them moving either of those guys? If I mean, obviously, that's why I think this season is so important, just not only from a franchise aspect, but there's a lot of guys that you just mentioned that are, you know, due to make their, you know, their, some real money in the next few seasons. And if they don't, I mean, like, the name that sticks out to me, and we talked about him already, is Nolan Patrick. If he doesn't take that next step, and when the time comes for the Flyers to sign him, you know who's to say that they don't just cut their losses and walk away and get somebody else in here? It's possible. Look, when Konechny hadn't signed and Patrick was having some injury issues, I was thinking in my mind, okay, if we package Konechny and Patrick, could we get back Matthew Kachuk, mm-hmm. another restricted free agent who hadn't signed? So I think that depending on what happens with Nolan Patrick this year and what happens with Morgan Frost, maybe they want to groom Morgan Frost to be the third-line center and they want to try and move Nolan Patrick. Who knows? I still think that Patrick has got a world of talent, and if he can stay healthy, I'm confident he's going to become a pretty good middle six NHL center. But nothing's guaranteed, and and they will. I'm sure that in the coming years, they will have to try and make some unique trades. You're going to have Seattle coming into the league, so they'll probably try and get them to take either Voracek or Van Riemsdyk in exchange for not taking one of the really good young kids. So there's there are going to be uh, you know there's there's going to be some interesting trade scenarios that are probably going to rear their head. I mean, this team's got a lot of good young goalies. If Sandstrom has a really good season and Samuel Erson over in Sweden has another good season, you'll probably be able to move one of those goalies for something. So there's there's no shortage of gunpowder with 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 which Chuck Fletcher can make some trades if he wants to. Let me ask you this cuz you're a lot more uh, well-versed in the workings of contracts and things like that in the NHL. What the hell is going on? Like, I feel like the NHL is the only league where it's like, it's like there's no value in being a, like a young player that was drafted by a team. You know, it's, it's such a, it's such a big thing in other sports where you draft this young stud and you, it like things work in the team's favor where, you know, there's the collective bargaining agreement and things like that work where they want these young players to stay with the team. And you're seeing all these guys where we're into, you know, we're into training camp in the preseason games now, and people are just now getting signed or haven't yet been signed. Patrick Line still hasn't signed. Mitch Marner just signed, like, a couple days, a day or two before training camp even started. I mean, what what is it about the league where it's so hard for these guys to just get, you know, to just these makes contract negotiations so hard between the teams and these players. Well, I mean, this trend just started a couple of years ago right. of b- before the young restricted free agents who were very good players would just typically sign bridge deals so that they would have a contract as a restricted free agent. And when that contract was up, they would still be a restricted free agent, but that kind of changed. And some of these young players started signing these huge contracts where you saw restricted free agents making nine, $10 million a year. That never was the case. Right. And last year, what we saw with William Nylander was you had a restricted free agent who the team and the player could not agree on a contract before the season started. And he sat out for almost half of the season. And so that kind of set the tone for this summer with all of these young restricted free agents, all of whom were looking for big paydays. 
and teams didn't want to pay them. And and the one of the things is teams were so scared to set the set the mark for what other restricted free agents were going to get. Right, like the Columbus Blue Jackets GM didn't want to sign Zach Wierenski to a huge deal because then Chuck Fletcher and the uh, Bruins GM would get pissed off because they've got to sign Provorov and McAvoy. So you right. saw the dominoes fall, right? You saw Wierenski sign, and then you saw, uh, I can't even remember who one of the first forwards was to sign, but now a lot of those guys are signed, and the only guys who aren't signed are uh, Braden Point and Miko Rantanen and Patrick Laine, uh and Matthew Kachuk. I think those are the big four guys who are still not signed. So I think that it's just a trend of these young kids are now getting a lot more money, and that's probably not going to change. And you know, there, we should mention there was some good news announced yesterday where the NHLPA uh, uh, is not going to open up the yeah, collective bargaining agreement. So people were saying that there, you know, might be a strike coming next summer. Well, now that's not going to happen. The earliest it could happen, I believe, is 2022. So that was some some real good news for hockey fans. Yeah, it'll probably still happen, just not as soon as people thought it was going to. Yeah. Do um, you, uh, should we get to some of these questions, or what do you think? Yeah, just real quick. Um, you mentioned the Warensky contract, and when I saw him sign that bridge deal, my I mean, and this is what makes to me the Provorov deal so much better with the Flyers because Warensky's only signed for three years. I think is like what five five and a half million. And five. Right. So after three years, half the life of Provorov's contract, if he plays well for those three years, now he's due for a big payday that Columbus either has to pay out or just let him walk. But that's what makes the Provorov contract even better. When I saw the Wierenski deal, I thought I, I like I thought maybe Provorov might go the same direction. And I was glad he didn't, because now the Flyers have him for double the time that Wierenski is with uh, Columbus and for a million and a half more. I mean, when I mean, if Wierenski keeps going how he's going, after three years, he could be due a huge payday. You don't know. And the well, Flyers... the specifics, yeah, the specifics of the Wierenski contract are he gets $4 million each of the first two seasons, but the third season he makes $7 million. And that's yeah. very important exactly. because it means that Columbus has to offer him at least $7.7 million on a one-year contract uh, as their qualifying offer. So Wierenski could theoretically play three years there, then accept that one-year qualifying offer, and then he's an unrestricted free agent. So that's a contract where you look at it and you say to yourself, Wierenski, you know, is probably not going to be in Columbus after, you know, either after that contract's over or at least, you know, for after that he becomes an unrestricted free agent. So, yeah, the, Columbus. The, the Flyers, yeah, poor Columbus, their fans, that team doesn't have much hope. They don't have a very good team and they mm. don't have a very good pro- prospect. So they went for it's, it. It's rough there. They did. They well, did, but yeah. yeah. So that I mean that when I saw the Wierenski deal, it scared me a little. And then I don't know what Chuck Fletcher did. I don't know how he negotiated this deal with Provorov, but I'm very happy with that signing and the and the uh, connecting signing. But um, so I mean, say what you want about what he did at free agency, but he he really pulled a feather out of his hat on that one. But let's get to these listener questions and um, a lot of good response. I got to pull them up here on the phone. I don't. I, I, mean, I can walk down if you want. Yeah, let's do that. I'm in, I'm in shambles over here with everything. So we'll All let right. you... Uh... Sounds like you're a little under the weather, too. Does it? Well, I don't know. You're sniffling Shit. a little bit. You know, people are concerned. I know. I got to get a flu shot. That's... Uh, yeah, you know what? I got to get the flu shot, too. That, thanks for that. I got to... Vaccinate your shot. kids, everybody. That's right. <laughs> um, so... Liminal Justice at Liminal Justice. I love him because he's, I don't know if it's a he or she, but very wordy and, you know, long responses and sometimes kind of exasperating. But I, but is he, it's a very unique Twitter account. And uh, so I enjoy having conversations with this one. Liminal Justice says, very recently, a well-sourced local reporter, OK Karchidi, I think he was making a joke, yeah. was suggesting eight mil for Provorov and back in August, four to four and a half for TK. Sources inaccurate. Or did the dollars change to more accurately reflect the players' worth in your view? I don't think that Sam Carcitti really – I don't put any stock in what he says. So, you know, I, yeah. I think that Provorov was probably asking for $8 million And I think T- Konechny, I, I don't know what the four, the four and four and a half million came from because clearly he was asking for more than that. Right. So I don't – you know, I don't put much stock in it. I think that 
I think that, like you said, the Wierenski signing probably brought down a little bit what Provorov could get. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, I don't think I, – I don't put much stock in, in Karchidi. The problem with today's world is, with Twitter and everything like that, is everyone tries – all these beat writers and – not even just the beat writers, but you see the national guys. We saw last uh, winter in baseball. Everyone tries to be the guy that's right. So – People just—I don't—I'm not—I I'm not, don't want to just say people make stuff up, but they hear something and throw it out there just in case it comes to be. Then you look like the guy that knew it all along, and it just gets you more clicks and things like that. So it's just—it's a tough time right now with clickbait and everything like that. Everyone's always got to be on top of things. Everyone's always trying to be the guy that breaks the story, and you got to just know how to sift through the bullshit, kind of. Yep. Uh, next question from comes from at Philip Bexley. And he asks, with the new regime in place, the emphasis seems to be on speed and endurance. Who out of last year's roster do you think it will most benefit and who will it have an adverse effect on? So, you know, I mean, I think that defensemen, I, 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 I don't know. I don't know if this new system is going to benefit or hurt guys specifically. I think that it'll help some of the more offensively oriented defensemen. Yeah, who like to skate the puck up the ice, like Provorov, Gossis, Baron, Sandheim, yeah, uh, and also Phil Myers, because the defense that Elaine Vigneault, the system that he likes, is predicated on defensemen getting the puck up the ice, either with quick passes or skating it up the ice. So I think it helps those guys. Probably hurts guys like Robert Haig, who mm-hmm. you know who, who might not have a role with this team up front. You know, I mean, I I don't think it changes much. I think you know, I think I, I think it is what it is up front. I think. That uh, I think that it's it's not going to help or hurt any of the forwards all that much. This new system. I think what's going to help the forwards is adding a guy like Kevin Hayes. That's right. what I think is going to help these forwards. Yeah, I agree. I mean, I don't think it's it's not going to be. You know, I don't think we're going to be out there watching. You know, watching a specific guy and say, "Wow, he just can't keep up with what's going on." Because the league is just so fast right now that everyone pretty much has to adapt. Like everyone's had to adapt to a certain way of play for the last like ten years now. I think if any, and I'm going to go back to Konecki, I think this style of play will help him just because, you know, he's a smaller guy, so he relies more on, get, on you know, getting space and, you know, getting out ahead of guys, and he's, you know, a quicker player. So I think the kind of run-and-gun type style could really, uh, really take his game to the next level. I'm excited for him this year. I think he's going to have a great season. I can't wait for to see him in this system. Yep. Yeah, I'm I think all this in. Is, yep. All right, there you go. It's all in. Uh, next question comes from uh, one of my good friends, Mark Naples at Super Scrub Forty Seven. Nice. He asks, "You can take one of the following youngsters to play in the top nine when the season starts: Nicholas Alvin Kubel, Morgan Frost, Joel Farabee, or Germán Rupsov. Who do you take and why?" For me, right now, it's it's got to be Joel Farabee. I just think that one of the things about him is that you notice him on every shift. He's yeah. a tenacious four checker. He's got more offensive upside than Rupsov. And he's, uh, I just, I think he just brings more to the table right now than any of those guys. NAK could be a fourth liner. I think Rupsov could be a fourth liner. But when you're looking at someone for the top nine, and especially with Frost, who didn't look fantastic before the groin situation and now that sets him back a little bit i think that Farabee's the guy that you look at there and like i said i wouldn't even mind seeing him playing with couturier and Giroux. he was there for the first few days of training camp and a guy like Farabee, you know he can fit in with those guys because his hockey iq is so high so i would right now i think it's going to be joel Farabee is what i would guess the coach loves him too what I like How can so- you not? He's teacher's pet, man. He's yeah. Joel Farabee. He stayed in the Philly area all summer. He did charity events. He's a, like I said, he's a tenacious four checker. There is literally nothing not to like about Joel Farabee. Yeah, he's making a serious case for himself. That's for sure. I'm, I think that whole thing is gonna, I think it's gonna get pretty interesting the closer we get to uh, to the season starting. If he keeps up doing what he's doing, I think it's gonna be uh, the Flyers are gonna have a, a real. I don't want to say problem, but they're gonna have. They're going to have a tough call to make at some point, I think. Yep. Uh, Ronin.215 at 215Ronin asks, with eight D-men and Pitlick injured, who are the 12th and 13th forwards on opening night? So, 
you know, he's saying that if you're going to have Morant and Hay, then you've really only got room for one additional forward. So obviously the 12th forward would be on the fourth line and the 13th forward would be an extra. Right. So asking who those would be, you know, for me, I still think that if Albie Kubel's in a position where if you drop him down to the minors, he's got to clear waivers. And I think, I think someone would take a shot on him. I Probably. might be wrong. I don't yeah. think you want to lose him for nothing. So I feel like Albie Kubel will be one of those guys. And then is the, as the 12th guy, man, I don't know. I, I, I honestly, I just can't even guess. I don't know. You know, Stewart, I think they like the fact that he played physical last night and he got in the fight. Like I said, I wouldn't love, I don't really care for him on, on the roster, but I wouldn't be shocked if it's him. Guys like Andy Andreoff and Curtis Gabriel could also be that guy. You know, I don't know. I, my best guess at this point is Albe Kubel and Stewart, but yeah. I guess we'll see what happens. Yeah, it's probably just, I mean, with, it's probably just going to come down to whoever plays, you know, in like those last couple games or whatever. Whoever just impresses the most is just who's going to get the shot. I don't think it's anyone that's going to stick long term, but, um, you know, I don't know. Chris Stewart's a guy that I think it's like you said, I, I don't I wouldn't be shocked. I wouldn't necessarily be overly disappointed either because I think he has a role on this team. Um He's obviously here for a reason. They see something. And he played in England last year. I didn't know they played hockey over there. So, yeah, it, it'll be a good story. They just got to change his number. He can't wear that number. Yeah. Yeah. Well, we'll, we'll see what happens with him. Yeah. Um, let's see. Next question we've got is from Don B, who asked something. He's at Match Penalty 21, and he asked something that we kind of covered a little bit. It's a good question. He says, I believe you've mentioned you believe the team will get off to a much better start compared to the last few seasons. With a trip to Europe, followed by a West Coast, and then factor in a new coach, system, and players, doesn't that sound for a recipe like a bad start? And the answer is yes. It does sound like a recipe for a bad start. However, I'm going to choose to have faith. I think that Vigneault will, will, I think they'll get off to a good start. I think they'll be energized with Vigneault, and I think that counts for something. I think that the goaltending is obviously going to be a lot better to start off the season. And I just, I, I've got a feeling that they're going to win that game in Prague. They're going to come home. They're going to win the home opener against the Devils. So that'll be starting off 2-0. and And then sometimes going on those road trips can early in the season can help a team. So I think they win two out of those three games. So I think I could see this team winning four out of the first five games. Yeah, I think the culture change with the team right now is something's going to help them. Um, there is something to be said about the bonding experience of being overseas you know, a lot of these guys are so young, probably haven't even been to that part of the world. So experiencing that with, you know, these guys that you're going to go to battle with for the next 82 games. Yeah, I mean, it's a it sounds like a recipe for disaster. And I'm going to I'm going to reference again the uh, the trailer for this behind the glass series that they're going to be featured in. I think that and it, it's such a small thing. But for me, it spoke volumes just because it seems like there's such a there's such a freshness to what the Flyers are doing right now. You hear the you know, the veterans talk and stuff like that. And it seems like they have like new life breathed into them with Elaine Vigneault and just this changing of the guard that the Flyers have needed for a long time. Just it seems like they um, it seems like th- there's everyone just energized and ready to go. And I think that um I think that things are going to work out. They ha- it has to. They have to start hot, and I think they realize that, and they see how slow starts affected them the last few years, and they know what steps they have to take to make sure that doesn't happen this year. Yep. Uh, Tommy Tomasino, at Tommy Tomasino, says, love the podcast. Thanks, Ooh. Tommy. Uh, he's a loyal listener. He says, why would McAvoy and Wierenski take lower than expected money? Seems like they could hold out for a lot more while Spurgeon gets way more than I thought compared to those two. Provy may just be a massive steal. Coots is so underpaid, it's unreal. And yes, I totally agree that uh, Sean Couturier is completely underpaid. Uh, it's pretty incredible. He probably has the best contract in the entire league. Probably. And so he mentions he mentions that Jared Spurgeon, who's an older defenseman, he's uh, 29 years old, Signed a yeah, what he signed like a seven year contract for 7.6 million. I mean, that was kind of a crazy contract, yeah, that really was. He's he's very good, you know. Like, I think we covered Wierenski, he took three years lower because he's gonna get paid starting in year four, and then he'll be an unrestricted free agent. So, there it is a huge deal if you sign for six years. 
Ivan Provorov's giving up two seasons of unrestricted free agency. That costs a lot of money. Yeah. Uh, so the same thing with McAvoy. Although, look, the Boston Bruins have all these incredible contracts. They've got Pasternak, Bergeron, and Marchand all on great contracts. McAvoy signs for like five million, which is an incredible contract, and it's a three-year one. It's a bridge deal, though. So he's also going to be in line to make a lot more money after the contract. So. That's what I think you saw there is you saw both McAvoy and Wierenski sign the bridge contracts. They know that they're going to get paid mm-hmm. shortly after that. McAvoy is making uh, – se- yeah, same thing with – McAvoy is making $7.3 million that final year. So he's right. guaranteed to make at least $8 million four years from now, and then he'll make more than that. So quite honestly, those guys are probably going to make more money long-term than, than Provorov will. I think Wierenski, too, just sees the writing on the wall with Columbus and just wants out of there quicker than – you know, they could have been offering him a longer term deal, and he just sees everything that's going on there. Nobody wants to play there. Nobody resigned there, and I think he just—it's—it's it's his way of getting out sooner rather than later. Yep. If things really yep. fall off the cliff. We got a couple more questions. Then I actually have got my own roller hockey game I had to get to. My team actually—we won the championship. I last saw that. Week. Congratulations! Man, won the championship last Tuesday night. So got a game coming up here tonight. So we'll let's get to these. We got three questions left. Chris Corman, good buddy, says. Uh, do you remain bullish on the Flyers' chances to win a cup in the next few years? Hextall's plan is mostly playing out, but I sense that fans in general aren't as excited due to player stagnation, Patrick and Provorov specifically, and others in the Metro adding stars. I am absolutely still bullish on the Flyers' chances to win the cup in the next few years. I think that they're going to have one of the best defense groups in the league. I think that one of the keys is going to be Carter Hart taking another step forward, which yep. I, I have some concerns this season, but but he certainly has the talent to do it. So I think that you've got that. And then I think you've got two lines that are have the potential to just be monstrous out there. So yeah. I absolutely think that with a new attitude under a head coach who's been to the cup before twice, I think that a lot of things could turn around this year for the Flyers, and I think that they could make a cup run. Yeah, as we see... Uh, too often in the NHL, usually the best team doesn't win the Stanley Cup. It's usually the team that meshes uh, the best at the right time. And I don't see any reason why that can't be the Flyers. Yep. Um, Irish 73 at Irish 736. If one or two rookies impress, could there be a player move via trade to open a spot with some serious cap trouble coming? Hmm. So I'm guessing he means like not before the season, but maybe like during the season or next summer. Right. Like if maybe like Joel Farabee or Morgan Frost are like really good, would you be open to moving a guy like a like a Voracek or, you know, like a JVR? I don't I honestly don't think that would be an option next summer. I just I think you're going to want to keep those guys for another year, JVR and Voracek. But the summer after that, you know, two years from now, I think that could be a possibility. But I just I don't see them. Unless things go really off the rails this year, I don't see them moving either of those guys. Yeah, I agree. I mean, you're, you have a lot of talent right now, and unless those guys would really, really, like, they'd have to play out of their minds to consider moving one of those guys. So I agree with you on that. And final question, Katie at Nolan Patrick. The A is a four, so Nolan P4 trick. What okay. happens if Carter Hart doesn't take the leap we expect him to? Are we going to relive the goalie carousel of last season? So we kind of covered this a little bit, and I have some concerns that just as a sophomore, he might struggle a little bit this season. So, But I, like I said, I'm very confident in Brian Elliott. I said over the summer that I'd rather they sign him than Talbot, just Uh because I think that Elliott gets a bad rap that people are saying he's injury prone. He had one injury that this team mismanaged. And aside from that, he really hasn't had many injuries in his NHL career. So I'm confident that Brian Elliott is, I think Brian Elliott could actually have a better season than Carton Hart. That's how much I I like him this season. So we'll see what happens there. I don't think we're going to relive the goalie carousel of last season. Yeah, I don't think so either. I think they're pretty, they're solid there, and it's a, it's it's a long time coming. I just hope everyone stays healthy because I don't want the uh, Alex Lyon stands to come out in full force during the season. I'd rather him just stay with the Phantoms at all costs. I like Alex Lyon. I don't think he's an NHL <laughs> goalie, so yeah, I would agree with that. I like Alex Lyon. I don't like the people that like Alex Lyon. <laughs> I think he's like Vezina material. But that's neither here nor there, I guess. She also, Katie also asks, unrelated question, 
are you guys going to put the pod on Spotify sometime in the future? I have no idea even how to do that. And I've gotten this question before. Maybe so, Katie can help you out with this one. She, Yeah, hopefully. she's wearing. It looks like she's wearing a Carson Wentz jersey in the picture, so I give her a lot of respect there right off the bat. Um, but, yeah, I mean, it's obviously something i got to look into now because more than just her is asked about it. So, I don't know. Stay tuned. We'll see. See if I have the care to do so. Uh, is that it? I think that's it. Yeah, that's it for that's the it. questions. Right. Lots of great questions this week. Very, very good questions from all of the people out there. Um, so, yeah, I guess you have... You have some winning to do in your uh, roller hockey game, so we'll wrap this up. Um, so go ahead and give your shameless plug your favorite part of every episode. Yeah, the folks can uh, follow me on Twitter at dsilver88, and you can also check out my prospect articles over at philliesflyer.com. You can see my latest Flyers Top 20 Prospects list, which came out in July. Very good stuff there. Uh, as for me, you can follow me on the Twitter machine at Mark Flagman with two N's. That'll probably be changing soon. Also, um, again, starting this season, we will be featured on the Hockey Podcast Network, so you can check them out at HockeyPodNet on Twitter. You can follow this show at underscore getting bullied. Get us on uh, SoundCloud and iTunes. Probably Spotify coming soon. We'll see that. Um, so yeah, a lot of good things coming up for the Flyers. Preseason is in full swing, and we will see how everything shakes out from the rookies, the defensemen, the goaltenders, literally everything. We'll see how everything goes for the Flyers as they plug on and get ever closer to October 4th. So until we talk to you all again, have a great life. Let's go Flyers. <laughs>